0: This show is part of the Head Stuff Podcast Network. Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale of Yon McCool Cool Cullen. Dear draw the sorrows grow new wail. From giants right down to fairies of the troopin' and solitary. And also are sometimes scary. Anything goes by the fireside. yeah. Hello, and welcome to Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. Each episode of Fireside, we take a story from folklore or mythology, we retell it, have a chat about the tale itself, and about the craft, the culture, and the history of storytelling. My name is Kevin C. O'Lan. I'm your host and your Fireside Bard. Welcome to episode 149 of Fireside. Today on the Irish Storytelling Podcast we have our second last story from the Mabinogion, from the tales of Welsh mythology. It's another story of a dream and this time it's Rana Boy's dream. But first, a very big welcome to any new listeners. If this is your first time listening, why don't you head back to the story of Pulch, Prince of David, to see our exploration of the Mabinoggan of Welsh mythology, and if you enjoyed that, why don't you head right back to the very beginning, all nearly 150 years ago, and three years worth of episodes for you to enjoy, and if you're a returning listener, thank you so much for your continued support, if you have not done so already, please do follow me over on Instagram at firesideBard. Bard. Email me at thefiresideboard at gmail.com. They're the places to say hello, get in touch, whether that's for business, personal reasons, whatever, uh, or even just to say hello. And if you want to support the podcast, if you aren't doing so already, you certainly can join HeadStuff Plus over on headstuffpodcast.com. The links to all of these are in the descriptions below. They're always in the show, show bio. Uh, where you can gain access to bonus material and bonus episodes, not just for Fireside, but the ever-increasing number of podcasts on the Headstuff Podcast Network. You can join that for as little as five euro a month, although you can pay more if you so choose, but that is entirely there as an egalitarian model of si- soundness for you to support if you so choose over there on Headstuff+. Plus. Our story for this week, our penultimate tale from the Mabinagion, which doesn't really have an order, per se, as I adopt, I have adapted, as I frequently said, from two sources, from the Oxford World Classics most recent edition and from Naxos Audio's audiobook read by Matt Addis. And they share... The elements that they share is that the Mabinogion overall seems to always begin with the branches. That's as good a place as any to start, so you have the four, the first, second, third, and fourth branch of the Mabinogion. Any versions that I've seen of them seem to always begin with them. After that, they the stories are in a much more random order because they're from very different stor- sources. They're written in different styles by various different authors. They contain different characters. They're set in different times entirely. And this is a story set in a very, very different time. And as such, in the... Oxford World Classics edition, this is actually the last tale in the Mabinogion. I've put it as the second last because how Kolk met Alwyn, which is the tale that we'll finish with, is actually one of the earliest recorded, if not the earliest recorded story from the Mabinogion. But it is also possibly the most famous and one I enjoyed the very most, so I would rather to finish with that one for people dipping in and for people who are waiting to the end as well. It seemed like more of a finale to me, but I wanted to let you know that this is... That Ron Aboy's dream, this week's episode, is in some versions the final tale. And there is a good reason for that. I have my reasons for not putting it, but there also is there. So I will always, dear listeners, let you know of that. We will, of course, chat more afterwards. This is the story of Ron Aboy's dream on Fireside. Ron Aboy's dream. Madog was king over the island of Wales. His brother, Irweth, was immensely jealous of his brother's position of power. Irweth went to Madog and asked him for responsibility and dues. The king made his brother the head of a retinue, and gave him horses, weapons, armor, and men to command. But Irweth was not satisfied. He took a group of men and began pillaging and raiding the villages all over the country. Innocent folks would live in fear of seeing Irweth and his band of murderous pirates riding over the hills with torches lit and swords wet with blood. It was decided by Madog and his counsellors that the king's brother must be brought to justice. Parties were sent out in search of the treacherous Irweth. One who sought the king's brother was named Ronaboy, and after setting out at first light and riding as hard and as fast as his horse could carry him, an exhausted Ronaboy arrived at a cottage seeking refuge for the night. Inside the home was one old woman, that was not in any way what Ranaboy was focused on, because the cottage seemed to double up as a cattle shed, and the floors were covered in cow piss and actual bull shit. The smell was overwhelming. Ranaboy could almost see the foul aroma. He wanted to leave that moment, but upon entering the cottage, the heavens had opened, and Ronaboy was trapped in that foul house for the night. He maneuvered the excrement, but frequently tripped over holes in the ground. He lay down on the floor and began to itch as fleas hopped and crawled all over him. Ron Aboy expected a totally sleepless night. He didn't know how he was going to seek Erweth the next day if he were not rested. So Ranaboy searched every inch of the cottage for the least foul, least mucky, least flea-infested corner of this hole of a house that was full of holes. Finally, the knight found a blanket made of ox-skin. It was cleaner and more comfortable, and its durability eased the bumps and holes beneath it. Ron Aboy finally fell asleep. The Celts believed that sleeping on an oxskin blanket was a window into having a prophetic dream. And that night, Ron Aboy found himself in a different time. He found himself standing on a hill, a hill that he knew but which looked very different. There were more trees, but fewer roads, farms, and buildings. Rana Boy then saw a rider on horseback galloping towards him. Once the horse became closer and closer, Rana Boy realized the steed was the most mighty and powerful beast he had ever seen. He had the barrel chest and flowing fetlocks of a wild stallion, but he was draped in fine saddles and in glorious standards. His rider was even finer dressed again, in armor and cordovan leather. It seemed the rider and horse were going to charge right through Ron Aboy, but the young knight cried out, "'Mercy!' and the horse came to a grinding halt. The rider spoke, "'You ask for mercy, and I shall grant it.' "'Thank you, sir,' said Ron Aboy. "'Next, can I ask who you are?' "'Gladly I will answer that.' "'My name is Idog, but I am more commonly known as Idog the Bane of Britain. "'I was known as a knight of King Arthur, "'and when I was sent from the king to take a message to his nephew Medrog, "'my pride made me resent that I was given such a menial responsibility. "'So I began to mutilate and twist the messages between uncle and nephew, "'which resulted in Medrog inciting rebellion against Arthur.' culminating in the Battle of Camlin. For that, I was banished for seven years of penance, and for that, I am called the Bane of Britain. Ronaboy could not believe it. He had travelled back over seven hundred years to the time of King Arthur. The Battle of Camlin was famed as the battle in which Arthur would lose his life. But there's so many stories, it was hard to know which one to believe. Idog, the bane of Britain, took Ranaboy to court, and there the young knight saw a man whose face he knew from drawings and description. There could be no doubt about it, that the man was King Arthur himself. He sat upon his throne, dressed in red brocaded silk, with rings on his fingers and a crown on his bearded and long-haired head. "'Welcome, Idog,' said Arthur. "'Thank you, Lord. It's good to be back after all this time, and may I introduce you to Ronaboy?' "'Ah, yes, I know this Ronaboy,' Ronaboy started. "'Thank you, Lord. It is the greatest honour to meet you. I am truly humbled. Never did I ever think I would be standing in the presence of King Arthur himself. But if I might ask, Lord—' "'How is it that you know who I am?' "'I know you come from a future time,' said the king. "'And I lament that Wales and Britain in your time "'are run by such tiny, insignificant men. "'A petty king who cannot even control his own brother.' Idog had told Hranaboy that Arthur was at present "'defending Britain from Saxon invaders.' But the king did not seem preoccupied with the battle, because soon another rider came into court, surrounded by an unkindness of ravens that would blot out the sun. It was Owain, one of the most valued knights of the king. While the ravens remained outside, Owain sat at a table opposite the king, and the two began to play chess. After a time, a messenger arrived into the tent and said to Owain, "'Lord, your ravens are being pestered and bothered by Arthur's young squires.' "'My lord,' said Owain to the king, "'please tell your men not to bother my ravens.' But Arthur was so focused on the game at hand, all he could say was, "'Your move.' Soon another squire arrived in the tent And told Owain that the squires were now beating and attacking his ravens. Owain said to Arthur, Lord, please call off your squires from attacking my birds. Your move, said the king. One game ended, and another would begin. Owain would win, then Arthur would win, a constant back and forth, ensuring that there was always another game to be played. But Owain became increasingly concerned for his pet ravens outside. He could hear the pained cries and calls of his birds. But Arthur ignored him, and the knight could not leave a game with the king. Ronaboy and Idog watched on. Finally a third messenger entered and said to Owain, "'Lord, your greatest ravens have been killed.' And those that are left alive are so bloodied, cut and beaten, their wings will not let them fly even six feet in the air. Tired of asking for Arthur's permission, Owain told the messenger, My ravens are intelligent, loyal and disciplined creatures. Go out and tell them to retaliate. You can do this by raising my banners.' The birds will do the rest. The messenger left, and the game of chess continued. When the next messenger came in, this time he spoke to the king. Lord, Owain's ravens are attacking your men. Arthur said to Owain, Call your ravens off. Owain looked at Arthur and said, Your move. Twice more this went, until a sixth and final messenger told Arthur that an entire retinue of noblemen had been killed by Owain's ravens. When Arthur was unable to convince Owain to lower his banners, the king crushed the chess pieces before them and ground them into dust. The spell of the game was now broken. Owain lowered his banners, the ravens settled, and peace— was restored. Well, peace between Arthur and Owain. The war with the Saxons that the king had given such little attention to still raged outside, but the meddlesome Kai, who still was the best rider of Arthur's retinue, came to court ahead of an envoy of twenty-four Saxon messengers. The king of the Saxons sought a truce with Arthur. After a considerable counsel, it was agreed that there would be a truce, and peace on the island of Britain was restored. Rana looked on, and he would not have ever dreamed to say this, even though he was saying it in a dream. But the knight found it interesting that a man with such legendary status as King Arthur, who claimed Madog and Ronaboy's entire generation were little men, should be so easily distracted by a game with a friend to focus on a war in which thousands of his men were giving their lives. But Owain gave a mighty cry, declaring that all who were to follow Arthur should go to Cornwall. So loud was the response and the sound of armoured boot heels and hooves that Ranaboy awoke from his dream. He was still on the ox blanket and was greeted with the same foul smell of the piss and shit-stained cottage. But Ranaboy found his arms and legs were stiff and that his back ached. In fact, he couldn't walk. The old woman came over to the young knight and told him that he had been asleep for three days. And this is the story of the dream of Ronaboy, which no poet or storyteller knew, because it was the first tale to be entirely written, with no oral origin, and it marks the transition from the oral to the literary tale to be continued folks as you all know fireside is a proud son of the headstuff podcast network which is ireland's largest network of independent podcasts and a loving home for the creative and indeed the curious there are so many other podcasts i could recommend to you on the network some of which inspired me to approach Headstuff myself. Here's a taste of one you might enjoy. They're only stories. A new anthology drama podcast that celebrates stories and the writers behind those stories. I go like the hounds of hell are after me. Good to know. Premiering on the 17th of October on the Headstuff Podcast Network. Listen on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Their only stories is produced by Riots Productions in association with the Headstuff Podcast Network and funded by the Arts Council of Ireland. Yes, you should be proud of. And that is the story of Rana Boy's dream on Fireside. A difficult but uh, incredibly satisfying name to say, Rana Boy. I'm not even trying to do the roll or each time, but find that that almost helps get it out. <clears throat> it's an unusual and almost mysterious tale this is uh this is a story where if you if you look it up you know there's interpretations of it and not from a context point of view or from a subtextual point of view just really what it's about at all and I can understand that and I've tried to give some kind of focus and shape to it so at least for my telling of it for my understanding in my own head and to try and make a version as clear as water for you, dear listeners. But... Yeah, so what's noteworthy initially is that, yes, we're set 700 years in the future. When you're adapting like a pre... I don't know, would you even say like pre-Renaissance, like pre-15th, like 15th, 16th century time, it can be very hard to discern specific times and places I suppose if you were talking about because when when you have the Celts you know in in wooden round round towers and and villages with pelts on them you also have ancient Rome and then you've the Dark Ages kind of after that and until there's more discernible culture and uh, an aesthetic to the buildings and the clothing and to the society, it can be very hard to mark out the individual times of uh, the early centuries of the um of Anno Domini. <laughs> that was what I landed with there, Anno Domini. That's what I mean. Like, since year one, you know, of the last 2000, 2000 odd years. um. And so it's interesting when you have a story that because mythology, you would think, pretty much exists as it does entirely in the same in the exact same time. And you have cases like in Irish mythology where the Thorn, which was very much popularized and the oral tradition of it started around the 8th century before it starts to be written down and formalized in the 11th and 12th century, but it's set in the 1st century. So, and this is considered to make it more of an allegory with Christ to totally, so that Ku Collins' life totally paralyzes Christ. But that's an example of that, so here we have especially these last good few stories of the Mavenagian, which have also all featured King Arthur, but have been set within king arthur 's time, so Ranaboy is different where we're we're going back in time or certainly in this dream world, going back in time and it's interesting that it's brought upon by lying on ox blood. We have this first of all incredible description of this foul. Awful place where Runaboy has to sleep for the night that puts us right back into Irish folklore with the little old woman sitting by the fire and the cows and, and most notably the ox blood, the ox or the ox skin rug, which is very specifically an Irish custom, which I found even in this adaptation. So you have an example of a thing rooted in the Irish that was a Celtic belief overall, which is that to lie on ox skin was to bring about a prophetic dream and apparently and that's something I'll, I'll be sure to look out for as we go back through uh, Irish mythology again to look out for ox, ox skin bloods or ox skin I can't stop saying ox blood that's the colour isn't it that's the shade of ox skin rugs which people slept on to bring about prophetic dreams and Ron has one such dream where he travels back in time, meets this incredible character of Idog, the bane of Britain. Incredible name! I too would like to be the bane of Britain. And he describes this battle of Kamlin. Now, this is a this is a real legendary battle, the Battle of Camlin, which is basically. Where Arthur dies, he either dies in this battle or as a result of this battle. So Idog is described as the one who brought about this battle by causing this consternation between Arthur and his nephew Medrog by mixing up their letters and and spreading these these whispers that they were saying things about each other that they weren't. Um, and it's interesting that this is I know this is a dream, but this is said obviously seven years after after the Battle of camlan where. It appears that Idog has completed his seven years banishment and is returning to the king, to King Arthur, uh, who is still alive, despite the fact of having his, historically, legend, legendarily died in this Battle of Camelon. Probably not worth reading into too much because, you know, it is a dream, a dream within a tale, but it is noteworthy that if, if Arthur is supposed to have died in this battle that he is still alive in this version of it. So perhaps there's various different stories of where Arthur died in, but that seems to be the most popular one anyway. Um, so Ranaboy meets uh, the king, and Arthur laments that Britain and Wales have been inherited by such pitiful, eager, ma- tiny men. He seems to me, me, mean this almost quite literally from how he talks, or liter- yeah, literally from how he talks about them about these men being physically smaller. But he doesn't mention Mad Dog specifically, which is how this whole tale begins, of course, with Mad Dog, the king, looking to find his piratical brother and bring him to justice. But it seems like he must be talking about that. And then this is where people get confused, and this is where interpretations take shape. Then the rest of the tale just ta- is this chess game, this game of Fee which is the Celtic, the Celtic chess, between Oain, who makes a return here, and between King Arthur. Owain, who it turns out, is usually very much associated with my favourite bird, ravens. Love getting a bit of ravens in any kind of Celtic mythology. And that's what the collective noun for ravens is, as I discovered uh, when I was adapting this, an unkindness of ravens. Murder of crows, an unkindness of ravens. How good is that? So Owain and Arthur are playing this game, and Owain, Arthur's men are being mean to Owain's ravens, eventually they start killing them, and Owain can't get them to stop. And this is where the the speculation is, is it supposed to be a comment on just how much people, and men in particular, can get fixated on petty games and become quite tunnel vision, even though there is actual war going on outside and men and birds are fighting each other literally outside the tent and then Owain himself becomes quite petty when Arthur asks him to then call up the ravens and they will just say your move to each other and is this supposed to be a satire and a comment on the irony of Arthur calling Madog and Ranaboy's generation little men when he has been so... Petty and childlike in his obsession with this game and his total disinterest in the battle raging outside, which conveniently has a truce called because of our old pal Kai, who has a minor role here and actually isn't messing things up for absolutely everyone else, just leads in the retinue of the Saxon lords seeking the truce. Because boy who sleeps for these three days and three nights watching Owain and Arthur playing this game of chess, and if this is meant to be a prophetic dream, which is a dream to, know, to be interpreted that will have real-world consequences, what is boy taking back with it? That Arthur, this character who over this 700 years by boy's time has been... Almost to the point of being deified as this great and legendary king, that he too was fallible, and that he was in no position to talk about men being big or small or large in stature in any way, because he himself was but a human, and he had his own characteristic flaws as well. So usually, I don't like to get into interpretations and meanings of these stories, because I'm I'm not equipped for that for a start, and. More so, I am have always just been interested in these as stories and trying to sift through the references to places and the superfluous character names and to just tell the story. But a little bit of digging and interpretation was necessary for this because otherwise it is quite confusing and has no real structure. And then noteworthy at the end, so it, there's a detail in the versions where it just says... Uh, no bard or poet or storyteller ever knew, knew can tell you this story because basically saying there's too many details and too many words for a bard or storyteller to know. And that can't be true because the the mnemonic skills of these early Celtic bards and storytellers, their memories were astonishing like and they trained for years and years this is why it took so many years like between 7 and 12 years to become a fella to become a bard you would lie in the darkness in a cave and just like be creating these mnemonic devices to be storing these thousands and thousands of hours of of material. You were the memory of your entire generation. So it isn't that there was details in the story that were going to be too much for any bard. Certainly not this story. There are plenty of stories with more detail. Why this is noteworthy is this is... It can't be the first and certainly not the only, but it is a very definite example of a story of mythology that had no oral oral origin. This is a definite literary tale, and that is why it is put at the end of the Oxford World Classics edition of the Mabinagion. This is where the transition has happened from the oral to the literary tradition, and it is considered that the, the descriptions of this cottage where usually these buildings would have been greatly built up and they would have been grand, magnificent halls, whereas the description of this cottage is a foul and awful place, literally covered in piss and shit, that that is quite a departure from how the oral tradition and the mnemonic devices would have usually gone. And also the description of this horse riding towards Ron Aboy. This is just considered a very distinct tale of the literary tradition and the transition between the two which is why it usually finishes last but why I put it as the penultimate here in our adaptation of the Mabinagyan and with that I shall wrap things up for Rana Boy we have but one tale left from the Mabinagyan as we hit gently removes blue light glasses 150 episodes good lord we did it. We did it, you guys. Great job. I can't wait for it. And for 150 more. Geez, that would be six years. God, we could all be dead then. Ah! Uh. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the story this week. Next week we have the final tale, the story of Kolk and Alwyn, the 150th episode. Please do follow me over on Instagram at FiresideBar, email me at at gmail.com. Join Headstuff Plus, the link is in the description below. I'll see you all, you'll hear me all next time and remember wherever you are and wherever you go, you can always join me by the fireside. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and The Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.